morning, church. Just looking at you. Good to see all of you again today, and the Lord continues to uh, bring uh, folks in, and we really are thankful for that. I got to spend a little part of my day yesterday uh, watching volleyball. Uh, some of our girls play volleyball, and uh, Sydney Landers, a senior, and I thought uh, Audrey was a senior. I mean, I can't keep up with these kids. I was introducing uh, Luke and Naomi this morning, and when I came to, to Birmingham in 1996, Naomi was a junior. And now they have, I mean, in high school. And um, now they have a junior in high school themselves, Noel. Wow. So time just marches on, right? And uh, we're thankful that the Lord has given us another day, right? To be able to worship Him. And uh, we had yesterday a really good time of fellowship uh, outside. We had a men's um, bring your own biscuit and beverage. And we sat outside and fellowshiped together and uh, prayed together, read the Word of God together. It was a great time. You realize how much you miss the fellowship when you're able to, to do something like that. So uh, we just thank the Lord for that. And speaking of that, we. Elders have been you know, talking about how can we get things going back uh, safely and um, you know, considering everybody. We want to consider the whole, the whole body. And so uh, you should have had on your uh, chair a sheet about uh, small group ministry. And uh, there will be three small group ministries starting in September. Uh, each of them will be here at the church. Okay, We believe we have the space to uh, spread folks out and to um, be able to meet. those The three studies, uh, you can read those on your own time. But uh, three excellent small group leaders, men committed to the Word of God. Uh, I know you will enjoy uh, whichever one you would choose, but I would encourage you to do that. And we're in a season where you know, finding fellowship and in terms of smaller groups has been challenging. So I would just encourage you to pray about and think about possibly the one that the Lord would have you uh, to be in. Also, I uh, wanted to make mention that uh, Children's Church will begin on September 13th as well. And uh, for some of you, that'll be a, a help and uh, to, to them uh, being able to come, your children being able to come. And we believe, again, we can do that safely. And Andrea Stovall, our children's director, is overseeing that. And um, she will make uh, the room as as safe as humanly possible, and we just trust the Lord with the rest of that, but we just uh, would ask that you would pray in consideration of those things, and continue to pray for the elders as we make decisions as it relates to the body here at Grace, and um, these are not easy times, and, and we're trying to be faithful to the Lord and be sensitive to His Spirit, and so we really, really would appreciate uh, your prayers uh, during this time as we continue to um, serve the Lord. And, and be his church. If you're in Christ today, you're a part of the church. And uh, it's a living organism. All right? And so that's what's so wonderful is we serve a living God. We don't serve some dead piece of wood. Um, in fact, in the Old Testament, one of the phrases that's used uh, commonly is, There is no one like you, O God, among the gods. There is no one like the Lord. And so we're so, so thankful, aren't we? to be serving the living God. And by the way, just to remind you that we serve the living God, one who we will stand before one day. So I hope you're going to stand before him, not condemned, but stand before him knowing that you belong to him. 
let's uh, have a word of prayer and um, we'll continue with our service this morning. Lord, we just want to thank you so much uh, for the privilege of being able to come together. Uh, as was just mentioned, uh, your church is a living organism and you're the head of the church and you desire us to meet together, to be together, and even though we're living in challenging days, we know the importance of that, and, and we want to make sure that um, we give your church the opportunity to, to fellowship around the Word and around uh, songs that we sing and testimonies that we listen to, and Lord, we just ask that this morning we have come here ready to worship in spirit and in truth. In Christ's name, amen. You guys can just remain seated. This first song we're going to open with today is a new song. It's a kind of a call to worship. There's a line in it that says, um, when we hear praises, he hears faith. And so that was just a good reminder, right, that when we come together and worship the Lord, that we're expressing faith in him. And that pleases him. So with all our hearts this morning, with all our minds, let's do that together. Amen. I love to hear It's the sound of the Savior's robe As he walks into the room Where people pray Where we hear praises He hears Praise. 
Oh, 
ransomed in glory, His face I at last shall see. Twill be my joy through the ages to sing of His love for me. Oh, how marvelous, how wonderful, and my song song that I don't think we've ever done it as a congregation, but we want you guys to sing with us. We've done it a couple of times here and there, but it's always been a performance. You guys sing out with us as uh, Naomi leads us on uh, Is He Worthy?
last song guys we've done it once or twice but it's just our prayer for you this morning it's kind of a closing song
favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children, the children, the children. May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and the children and the children may his presence go before you and behind you and beside you all around you and within you he is with you he is with you in the morning in the evening and you're coming and you're going and you're weeping and rejoicing he is for you, 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 He is for you. She's in town, but she's not alone. She's got Luke and the whole family here. We want to give them an opportunity to, to come up and share with us about what's going on in Georgia with CBM. So let me have a quick word of prayer for us, and uh, Luke, you can take over. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, we did just, just that last song, Lord. We, that's our prayer uh, for our body of believers, for the church of, at large, Lord, for all people, um, is that your favor be upon us, Lord, and that you'd look on us kindly. And we know you do. You've already proven that through the cross, Lord. Help us to cling to that. Help us to cling to Jesus with everything we do. We know that's what uh, Luke is about in Georgia, Lord, that um, uh, they, are, they are very called, Lord, and very concerned with the lost over there. And so we're going to give them this opportunity to, to share with us. In your name we pray. Amen. It's good to see everybody this morning. Uh, so... Naomi and I, when we first started our mission adventure, we uh, were in outdoor adventure where I guided backpacking trips and rock climbing and taught survival and spoke at camps a lot. But uh, it's been one of those adventures where God has moved us more from doing that type of ministry to being more specifically geared 
for reaching the lost and uh, making disciples and making uh, people who are passionate about reaching their neighborhoods. And that's what God is gearing us towards. And But here's a picture of our family. It's growing up a little bit. Um, we got two in college now and a junior in high school. And Thad was telling me yesterday that he remembers an Awana's carrying Noel around on his shoulders. So you're old. So, uh, But it's... It's an awesome privilege to be in Harrelson County, Georgia. And it's not really a place that I would have chosen if I, I mean, if you had given me the map and said, go wherever God wants you to go, this wouldn't really be that place. But God opened up the opportunity for us to serve for three years at the Blake House. And we were excited about that. We had a lot of good ministry there, a lot, made a lot of good friends. But during that time, God showed us that, gave us a heart and a passion to reach the kids of the addicts and showed us that there needs to be a ministry in this area, which as of right before we started CBM, there wasn't really a ministry like that. Uh, The closest thing to what we do is probably Fellowship of Christian Athletes, but they don't really do what we do on a so we, as we get into it, we'll describe what exactly we do and how we do it. But CBM Project Georgia, the difference between CBM like Georgia or CBM Alabama, which is, uh, I think that's Ponderosa Bible Camp, is when they're starting a new area, they want them to be underneath the national board. They, they want to take care of all their money. And so right now our board is up in uh, Townsend, Tennessee, we operate underneath their watchful care. They take care of our finances. They send us all of our receipts, and it's a big stress relief for Naomi having to do all that because she was the finance person for Apology Outdoors. But CBM has grown. Uh, there's, um, I think, two projects, I think, right now. Uh, us and then Project Utah, and they've added a Michigan Uh, somewhere up in the Michigan area, and then we're going way out and going around the world. So when we first started with CBM uh, back in 2010, something like that, uh, we were strictly on the eastern side of the United States, and now we're really branching out. So praise the Lord for that. So why do we do what we do? Why do we feel that there's a need for CBM Project Georgia in Harrelson County? And, uh, well, I got ahead of myself. Technology. Um, Matthew 2540 says, uh, there we go, and the king will answer them. Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. And what we've noticed is in Harrelson County, there's just a massive amount of need, a massive amount of poverty, a massive amount of just spiritual need. And, well, the percentage of adults underneath some form of correctional supervision, the national average is 1 in 31 in Georgia, it's one in 13. 
I mean, there's so many people just underneath uh, being on parole, being in prison, and the amount of people that have been in prison. Uh, there's really very few people that I've come across in these circles that have not been in prison. And so there's just a need for uh, moms and dads to be trained how to be moms and dads. There's a need for people to know how to be a father to their kids because it's a, it's a cycle. And we want to help break that cycle. It's more preventative care ministry rather than what we were doing with the Blake house where we were going head first into this. And I'll just put this up here only because I want you to see when we show the next statistics. Uh, Harrelson County is a very rural county, but right now there's a lot of people fleeing, uh, like <clears throat> Douglas County and Atlanta area. They're fleeing those areas to come to our area. Uh, Bremen has a good school system, but there's also it's a little bit cheaper than living in Atlanta. But uh, it's a it's a really needed area. Harrelson County is the number one county in Georgia for drug-related deaths. Annual drug-related deaths per 100,000 in Georgia is 12.9. In Harrelson County, it's 34.9. And there's a reason for this. It's, we've got what we call the drug triangle. It starts in Chattanooga, Birmingham, and Atlanta, but the reason this is so important is because connecting all these triangles are other side highways. So along Highway Interstate 20, you got Highway 78, and then you got Highway 11 from Birmingham to Chattanooga, and then there's a lot of side highways going up from 75. And then coming through the heart of Bremen is Highway 27. And so uh, through the heart of Bremen is Highway 78, Highway 27. And you, when you got drug mules uh, and drug traffickers, you, you have a lot of this where they can escape cops really easily. But there's also Bremen and Tallapoosa, Georgia, is basically the halfway point between Birmingham and Atlanta. And so there's a lot of drop-off points in that area. And so it's a big area for us to be able to minister to people who would never hear the gospel of Jesus Christ otherwise. Foster care is a major thing in our area. Even though we have a low population rate, the foster care is big because the drug industry is big in our area. So 217 children in foster care with only 38 homes. That's not r- real good. And what happens to these kids, when there's not a home, is they ship them off to different counties. They could be as far as Savannah, Georgia, which is six hours away from Bremen, Georgia. And that's tough because the whole process of the foster care system is to get the families rejoined in a healthy environment. But when they live five, six hours away, they can't visit their parents as often, and it's much more difficult for those families to get rejoined together. And the 39 cases of child abuse, those, I mean, you know as well as I do that those are only the cases that have been reported to DFACS. There is a massive amount of child abuse in this area. And then I I think that this is a more troubling one. It's kind of a good thing. 
uh, at least 50% of Harrelson County considers themselves to be growing Christians. The reason I think that this is troubling is because when we're the number one county in Georgia for drug-related deaths, and when we have 217 foster kids with only 30-something, 38 foster homes, that's not a good resemblance of the growing church. That's not a good resemblance of us being good Christians to the state of Georgia. And so there's a big disconnect between the church. And I know that this isn't an unusual thing for, it's not just Harrelson County, it's the nation overall, where we, we have church over here in our church life, and then we have the rest of our life over here, and we don't interact those two. We, we live our church life, we go there, we smile, we do our thing, and then we go home and we play our sports, we go to school, never to open our Bibles or do things. And so our goal is to help train these people, but it's a big road. The, this generation is different from any other generation. When I was growing up, from 1935 to 1979, about there, the church, American church, had 70% of the American population going to church. And that is totally different. I mean, even in the 90s, it was the cool thing to go to church, but it's not the cool thing to go to church anymore. And we, we even with the digital age now, you can look at this and go, this, this is going to be a hard transition for the church, moving from people watching church online to people uh, actually fellowshipping with each other. But it's making it much more difficult, and the way, I mean, I remember in high school or early college years in Gadsden, Alabama, where I was trained in evangelism explosion. And you can't just go into people's houses like you used to and give the evangelism explosion outline like you used to. It's different. It's built on relationships. You, you can't just walk up to somebody and expect them to understand because a lot of the generation, and I'm not talking to just the young people, it's parents that have never been to church before in their lives. And so walking up to them and explaining them the plan of salvation, they don't get it. And so that's what we're working with. Be my witnesses, Acts 1-8, we believe that Harrelson County is our Jerusalem. Naomi, last March, started these kids clubs at a place called Christian Community Council in Tallapoosa, Georgia. And we're working on developing a coffee shop ministry in this uh, to work with students, but she's been working with kids that have no idea about Jesus. Some of them have never opened the Bible. They do a fresh produce night where they give out uh, farmers in the local area, donate fresh produce to be given out to these people. And one night, Naomi was uh, giving out grapes, and one of the kids had never seen a grape. They, they just, it's a different level of poverty that I've, I've never seen this level of poverty. Probably the closest thing that I've seen that I could explain is when you go to a, a different country. It, it's different. And we are working with, a, trying to work with a church in Cedartown, which is a little bit, it's about 30 minutes north of us in Polk County. And they want to have us 
they're interested in us doing a after-school kids club. And they're right really close to Cedartown Elementary, and so we're excited about hopefully that'll happen. But in order for that to happen, even if they're willing, we've got to have volunteers. So uh, we want to have the open door, but we also praying for more volunteers. Community groups. This is where God's really taken me out of my comfort zone because uh, it's easy to have a home Bible study when everybody from that Bible study is from your church. It, it's, it's easy. You don't have to dive into your neighbor's life. They don't have to dive into your life. But God is really just, he's breaking me. That's all I can say because it's, it's easy to talk to people and lead them in a Bible study when they talk your Christian lingo and when they bring their Bibles and all of them are the Bible that you like and they dress like you, they talk like you, everything is like you. But when you invite people into your home that drink or that smoke or do things that you as a family may not like but you invite them into your home for the purpose of ministering to them that takes you out of your comfort zone but as Christians we're told to go into all the world but as a Christian it's hard for me to go into the world and talk to somebody that doesn't look like me talk like me it's harder and we're doing this, we'll talk about it in just a minute, but acts of kindness. And we're going in and doing different things. I made some cookies. Uh, Naomi noticed that, that in the first service, you talked about food at least three times. So you need a cookie. Uh, he's already gotten one. Okay. Uh, but what we're going to do this week as our act of kindness is we're going to make cookies and take them to our neighbors and we've got these cards that we attach to them that say uh, treat others as you would want to be treated Matthew I think 714 and on the back of it it's uh, we got it totally blank so that we can personalize it by writing a note or something on there and just trying to enter their world instead of trying to force them to enter ours. And our goal is to start community groups. We've got one right now that's at our house, and then we're starting one tonight. Uh, I wish I could be there, but uh, we got two uh, school teachers from that area that are leading this uh, uh, community group, and then we got the kids club and the coffee shop in Tallapoosa, but we hope to start one in Temple, Mount Zion, and Waco, hopefully. That's, that's our goal. So missional life. <clears throat> this is, Bremen is totally different than Tallapoosa, Buckhannon, Mount Zion, and Temple. Totally different. Uh, for the most part, there's a little bit more money in Bremen than there is in these other areas. And so the way that we approach these areas in ministry is going to be totally different than the way we approach them in Bremen. It's just a different dynamic. And uh, this is the top picture is a mom got her grandkids together during the summer and made Naomi some gift bags to hand out 
at CCC. So since the coronavirus, Naomi hasn't been able to do the kids club. So she's been making these bags with um, the gospel of Mark in them or uh, the gospel presentation in them or coloring pages. And she gives them out to all these kids. And uh, just every Thursday night is when they do their ministry right now. They used to do it on Monday and Thursday. Every Thursday, they hand out around 800 meals. And we have around 200 or so bags to hand out as on some of these nights. We don't do it every single week. But a big, big need that those kids feel loved because the one reason it's important that we do the bags during this time is a lot of these kids or families don't have Internet or don't have good Internet. So their access to the world is very limited. So the more that we can just hand them a bag, wave at them, talk to them, the, the better. This other one is a block party in Buckhannon. We're, we did this trying to get ready for our community group that's starting tonight. And it was, it, it's interesting to hear the stories. Uh, sometimes we take it for granted that we live in a, a nice house in a nice neighborhood, but we never know how hurt our neighbors are. We don't know what type of pain that they're living in. And until we dive into their lives and meet their needs on a humanitarian level, they got to build that trust. And we may not ever hear and be able to minister to them without meeting that human need first. This is, every once in a while, I'll go up to Naomi and go, I got this crazy idea, Naomi. And Naomi looks at me and goes, I, I need a minute to process this, Luke. This is one of those. Uh, last year, we had a family visit our church, and another family put them up in this hotel. And it was, it where the hotel sits, it's on Highway 78, which is part of that drug triangle. And it's it's only a mile or two away from I-20, I mean, Highway 27 and just a few miles away from I-20. And most of the people that stay at this hotel are residents. And these are, to me, this is so far out of my comfort zone. The more I think about this, the more I'm like, God, why? But these are the people that are the forgotten ones. Most churches don't want to dive into this. And God won't get this out of my head. During this coronavirus, God led me to this uh, YouTube video that showed this type of ministry out in California. And God just laid this on my heart. And a few weeks ago, I called the owner, who is uh, a devout Hindu. And I told him exactly what we're going to do. We're going to, we want to invite all the people staying at your hotel out into the parking lot. We're going to cook them hot dogs and hamburgers and just love on them, share the gospel with them, and have a church service with them. And she was like, okay. And I was kind of shocked because I thought a Hindu might give us a little bit more flack. So I wanted to make sure that she knew what we were doing before I made a presentation with it. And so Friday I went over there, talked to the lady in person, handed them our prayer card, and said, on Friday, September 18th, I want to bring 
a care bag with like different food because they have microwaves inside the rooms that they can make a little bit of food, but also advertise what we're going to do the next day on September 19th. And hopefully they'll come and be ministered to. I keep hitting these pins. But I talked to the lady and I said, how many people do you think are here on a regular basis that, so that we can prepare enough food for them? And without thinking about it, she said 10. Basically, they have 10 people living there. I mean, if you go to a hotel, they'll say 10, 20, 30. We have a full house, whatever. But they have 10 people living there, and those people need Jesus. And God has laid it on my heart. I don't know where this is going to go. It may end up being a weekly thing. I don't know, but I know that God told me to do this on September 19th. Rachel's Wish Foundation is a horse ministry thing uh, where they work with uh, troubled uh, kids, huh? at-risk kids. And so it's just a massive piece of property, and we got to know her through Justice and Lydia going and taking horse riding lessons from them. And they wanted us to partner up with them and do something during the summer, well, it didn't work out because of the coronavirus, but we've rescheduled this November 21st to do some, David Hinkle's going to come out there with us and do some archery. I'm going to teach some outdoor skills, and they're going to do horseback riding and all these different things and just hopefully uh, share the love of Christ with them. And all these outreaches that we do, we don't just randomly pick locations. Everything that we do is in with the goal of starting a community group. We want to train people how to do what we do because we, we want to be missionaries to our neighborhood and our area, but we want to train people to go into their neighborhoods, make disciples in their neighborhoods, and we want them to become disciple makers themselves. And because I, mean, I don't have the spiritual gift of evangelism, but just because I don't have the spiritual gift of evangelism doesn't release me from the fact that I don't need to evangelize. And you may not have the spiritual gift of disciple-making, uh, like pastor-teacher, uh, exhorter, or whatever it may be, but that doesn't release you from doing that. You may not be as good as somebody who has a spiritual gift of that, but as parents, as Christians, we are all called to make disciples. I mean, whether it's our kids or whether it's your next-door neighbor, we've got to teach these people how to, uh, how to be disciple-makers themselves. We're all missionaries. Random acts of kindness. Uh, God continues to take me out of my comfort zone. And so Monday, I think it's Monday, Monday morning I was talking with my accountability partner and on the phone, and I said, God's telling me to mow my neighbor's yard, and if you don't know me, I hate mowing grass, hate it, despise it, I did it for like three years, I think, or it seemed like three years, and on a professional level, and I just, I hate mowing grass, and so my accountability partner said, well, God's telling you to do it, you better do it, and so I got out my mower, my edger, and my blower and went next door and cut the neighbor's grass, and it was hard. He hadn't cut his grass in a long time. But 
God took me so far out of my comfort zone by doing that. But getting back to what I said earlier, we have got to get out of our comfort zones, which is inviting people to church to hear Thad preach, which is a good thing. Don't want to knock on that. It's a good sermon coming up. But I, we can't depend on Thad to reach the entire world. We've got to do it. And we've got to invite people to our houses to eat supper with us. We've got to invite people to uh, do things in life. Because the Christian life is not just about coming to church one or two hours a week. It's about getting out there and doing life with these people. Uh, we got people in our community group that are part of sports teams. Well, that's a great inlet to get into the parents' lives. Because now you can make bags for them so that when they have an away game, you can write a little note, put it in a brown bag with snacks, send it to them. And schools, at least our schools, are begging for this because they're having to spend more money on water bottles and snacks. They want people to help them. They're asking people to help them. And this is a time that, this is an open door. This coronavirus is not a bad thing. In, in the big heavenly eternal aspect because it has caused so many people to ask questions and we as Christians need to be ready to answer those. And so volunteer at an event. So September 19th, if y'all want to come and help us out at the motel, uh, hang out with us, that'd be awesome. But we, we're trying to do outreaches all the time and we need help uh, financially it takes money to make hot dogs and hamburgers for these hotels and the uh, uh, outdoor adventure day in Tallapoosa that we're doing in November. It takes money to do these things. And, but, I mean, God provides, it, and just pray for us. Because when we're doing stuff like this, when we're going out and talking to drug addicts, when we're going out and talking to these different people, the devil is going to attack us like crazy, and he has and so he's tried to discourage our family in so many different angles. And so we need your prayers and encouragement. But in closing, the things that we're doing, they're not like some fancy special things. I mean, God's called us to do this full time in Harrelson County. But there's, there's hotels in this area that need Jesus. There's, there's neighborhoods in this area area and trustful that need Jesus and so yeah we're doing it in Harrelson County but I want to encourage y'all to do it in your your Jerusalems because that's what God's called us to do is be missionaries in our areas thank you Luke and thank you Naomi we thank uh Naomi for singing with her brother, right? We don't get to see that too much, and uh, we certainly have missed her talents here at Grace, uh, but we're thankful that we got to be reminded today about the talents that the Lord gives people to lead us in worship. Uh, we also appreciate uh, Luke and Naomi. I was saying in the first service that what impressed me, uh, I think, the most uh, is the obedience that they have. You know, ministry doesn't always make sense. We want to put it in a nice little pocket and say, oh, that's what they do. 
And the Lord's taking them in different directions with the same focus of making disciples. So I mean, we're not guaranteed how it's going to look, right? I mean, if I had to choose my first ministry, it would not have been to go to Green New York. I didn't even know there was such a thing as Green New York. But the Lord led my wife and I there in 1991, and I wouldn't be here today without that. That's a bottom line. I mean, you follow the Lord. He leads you in places that you're not necessarily thinking, hey, I'm going to end up there. But, you know, it's the issue of being willing. You know, I mean, you could even preach a message on that. Are you willing? And if you're willing, if you say, yes, Lord, then you got to be prepared. Because <laughs> he, he might move you in places that uh, make you uncomfortable. But we appreciate those guys uh, and their ministry and just the opportunity they had to share and I know what you're thinking you're thinking it's 11:30, and Thad just got up there that's what you're thinking right by the way if you want to read their newsletter I just read this last week and I was telling them, I like that popsicle ministry idea that's a great one love popsicles how many of God's children love popsicles those things are so good um, well today we want to begin um, a little series the Elders have been in discussions in the last several months, obviously with things just being so much different for the church. I mean, as leadership, you have to discuss those things. And, you know, you can't bury your head in the sand and say it doesn't exist. It does. It's different days that we're living in. I believe um, if you're waiting to go back to normal, that might not happen. If you're sitting there waiting for normal, it may have already gone by. So... I don't know. I know this. We know that the day is drawing near. So as the day is drawing near, maybe things are just going to get more and more abnormal. And so as we've had those discussions, um, the elders were really targeting next Sunday. And as I began to work on it, I'm like, well, I can't do that in one Sunday. And the Lord began leading me in different directions. And so it's at least three weeks that we'll be discussing this uh, topic. And it all really centers around one verse. And uh, before we get to that, I'd like to just have some prayer. Can we do that? Lord, we just want to give you uh, the rest of our time this morning. Um, this is a serious subject, one that demands and deserves attention. It's not something that we can... Just listen to one time and say, oh, that's a good reminder. But we need to really dive down deep and examine our relationship with you, our fellowship with you. Um, and if there's relationship, if we know you, there should be that ongoing fellowship. And um, I pray as we consider uh, some of these things this morning in our introduction that, Lord, we just might have your mind about what you desire for our lives and that we might be open to examination honest examination i pray your spirit would lead in the name of christ amen so take your bibles and go to revelation chapter two i just want to kind of give you the verse that we are going to center around over the next um three weeks next week we'll have a different text that we look at, but we'll eventually come back to Revelation chapter 2. I haven't forgotten 1 Timothy. I'm just trying to be obedient to my leaders, my elders, um, who help shepherd grace. 
the great part about it is when they first introduced kind of the idea, I, I'd say years ago I would be like, I don't know, man, I really don't want to do that. And I'm, now I'm just like, ah, Lord, whatever you want to do. You know, if you want to work through this, that's great. And, the, and what's been fantastic is he, he's just filling in the blanks. There were a lot of blanks to begin with, but he's filling them in. And isn't that the way it works? He's the one that fills in the blanks, and he doesn't do it with our wisdom. He does it with his. But I believe what we are dealing with in the church today, one of the main starting points that we need to consider on an individual level is this verse. Just to kind of give you a taste of Revelation 2, remember in the book of the Revelation... He talks about, in chapters 2 and 3, we're given the Lord's instruction to these churches. There's seven of them. And in these instructions that were given by the Lord to these churches, there's times he commends them and then times that he exhorts them pretty strongly. Um, When you come to Revelation chapter 2, you deal with the first church that he addresses, and it's the church at Ephesus. And if you're just looking in the context of the passage, you're like, man, these guys were doing really well. I mean, we'll talk about that in a couple weeks, but doing really well. I mean, he commends them for this, and he commends them for that, and it's just like all this commendation. And if you're just looking at it on the surface, you're going, man, they're doing really good. But then you go to verse 4, and I describe it this way. The Lord punches them in the gut. Right? I mean, everything looks good. And all of a sudden, you get to verse 4, and it's like, bam. Look what he says. The Lord says to the church at Ephesus, but I have this against you. Ugh. We know how that feels. Somebody comes, I have this against you. (laughs) We don't like that on a personal level, do we? Somebody walks up to you and says, I have this against you. But the Lord says to his church at Ephesus, I have this against you. Now, I'm quite certain the church at Ephesus wasn't expecting this particular message because when you look around the message and you look at all the great things they were doing he says to them I have this against you that you have left your first love have you left your first love I think it's a question certainly worth consideration. Have you left your first love? Are you in love with Christ today as much as you were whenever you first met Christ? It's a good question. It's a good question. It's one that must, must be considered. It demands, it deserves our consideration. But I have three questions around that question. Number one... Will you consider the question? Just because I put it on the screen doesn't mean you're considering. You might be looking at it and going, I'm not paying attention to that. Will you consider the question? And for how long, secondly, how long will you consider the question? Is it just an exercise? Okay, with that, I'll be done in about 20 minutes. I can go home and I'll have to think about this again. See, the great part about this, this book that we look at, it's living and active and sharp and it penetrates as far as joints and marrow. So, you must consider the question if you belong to him. And you must continue to consider the question. I've had to consider it for a couple of weeks now, so 
think it's only fair that you'd have to consider it today. At least today. One more question. If, maybe for some, it may be the temptation to, once you leave, dismiss the question. So will you leave here dismissing the question? Just because you're actively serving the Lord? Mm. Listen to that again. Will you dismiss the question because you're actively serving the Lord? You read Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, you come to find out pretty quickly that the church at Ephesus was serving the Lord. They had all the I's dotted and all the T's crossed. They were doing well. But they really weren't on a personal level. A church can look good when it comes to ministry. But when it comes to the individual fellowship that a believer is to have with the Lord, it might not look so good. It's like a home. You can come here on a Sunday and you all look pretty neat to me. You smell, there's no odor in here that's driving me away. You smell good too. You look good, you smell good. Everything looks great. And so you walk away and you leave on a Sunday. You say, well, that family looked good and that family looked good. When you walk in the door, how is the family really? Sometimes it can kind of get ugly, right? So you look at the church and you go, well, on the outside, I mean, look at the church. The church universal is involved in so many things, and that's great. But what about fellowship with the Lord? If it was not important, the Lord wouldn't have gone to the church. So I would argue that we must consider the question. In fact, John Piper, in an article, wrote this. My love threatens to grow cold for the Lord when he is taken for granted or even neglected. Man, that's a punch. You know, Luke in his presentation was talking about neglected kids. I mean, there's neglected kids everywhere. It's hard to imagine that a Christian would admit, I've neglected the Lord for the last week. <laughs> right? I mean, you're not expecting when you walk in on a Sunday morning for somebody to walk up to you and say, good morning, I've neglected the Lord for a week. That would be really weird, wouldn't it? Can it happen that we would neglect the Lord for a day, for three days, for a week? You know, we used to live in a culture where that would be really easy to do. You remember back in March before the coronavirus and we were just busy, just like, right? Next, you know, one day it's Sunday, the next day it's Friday, and you're like, what have I done for five days? But now things are kind of different. Maybe the coronavirus has given us an opportunity to kind of self-reflect. What have we seen? I mean, families, right? I mean, think about it. Families went from being like spread out, go, 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 go do your own thing, to now all of a sudden, they're with us all the time. Is that a bad thing? Not a bad thing. But what happens when that takes place? Oh, things rise to the surface. So in the church, the church is just busy, busy, doing, doing, doing. Everything's great. We've got a wana, we've got Sunday school, we've got children's church, we've got small groups, we've got all these things going on. 
and then all of a sudden it's like, stop. And it forces the church to evaluate, not the ministries, but to evaluate personal fellowship with the Lord. Where am I? Where am I truly? I mean, how many times have you stared at your kids in the face and said, be honest with me. Tell me the truth. Your blood pressure is rising, right? You know, guys, we serve the kind of God that already knows the truth. <laughs> he already knows. I mean, I, mean I, I didn't used to like to do this, but now it's like I just do it because I'm, he knows everything anyway. Hey, Lord, I've had a lousy day. I haven't been in your word as much as I need to be. You ever had one of those days where you just simply needed to confess that? There's nothing wrong with that. Let's be honest with the Lord. Well, so, this issue then leads to a question. How would one know if that's the case? If they've left their first love, how would one know that? That's very important to know that once you're saved, you're always saved. That's very important to know in light of this discussion. Once you have been sealed by the Spirit of God, there is nothing you can do to unseal that. You're sealed by the Spirit of God until the day of redemption. That's what the Bible says. You can't get away from it. Isn't that great to know? That we've been sealed by the Spirit until the day of redemption? So if you're saved, you're saved. Now the question becomes then, not about your relationship, because that's permanent, but the question becomes, in the context of, of Revelation 2, it was about fellowship. How's the fellowship piece? How would we know if that's not where it needs to be? Well, there's some questions, just three or so. I'm going to just real quick go through them with you. First one, is there more of a longing for human fellowship than fellowship with the Lord? Now, you say, now, hold on a second, Thad. You're getting into my personal space. Okay. You can get into mine, too. You can ask me the same question. I love fellowship. I love it. Right? Now, don't get me wrong. I can be a hermit in my office. But I love fellowship. I love the body of Christ. Don't you? Yes, class, you do. Right? You love the body of Christ. You love being around the body. Haven't you missed that for the last six months? Yeah, I hope so. Because if you haven't missed it, something's wrong. I miss it. I miss seeing you guys. I miss being with you guys. We had 16 men and one young man yesterday at a men's fellowship. And I was just, I was just coming through my skin. I was like, man, Lord, thank you so much for the word being read, prayer, and the fellowship that we had. You're going to see next week, guys, we can't do without that fellowship. God did not intend his church to be individuals living in their houses just segmented away from people. I'm sorry, God did not intend it to be that way. You say, now, Thad, you're ignoring something going on. No, I'm not. Coronavirus is a serious thing. It's cost a lot of lives. But you know what? We can be safe and do everything we can do and still fellowship together. I believe that, 100%. So the question here for us to consider is, is there more of a longing for human fellowship than fellowship with the Lord? Both are good, but fellowship with the Lord is the primary. Look what the psalmist says. 
This is David. He's in the wilderness of Judah. And he writes this, O God, thou art my God. Can you say that? O God, thou art my God. I shall seek thee earnestly. My soul thirsts for thee. My flesh yearns for thee. That word yearn means to long for. I was introduced just a short time ago to a steak biscuit at Jack's. Praise the Lord. Now, it's almost impossible when I get up in the mornings to not long for that steak biscuit. If you've never had one, go get one. They're awesome. The breading's not too thick. It's just actually pretty perfect. But even this morning, I wake up and I'm on the way to church. I'm like, no, 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 no. I took a banana out of the house. Because I really don't need a steak biscuit before I get up and preach. I just need a banana, so I ate a banana. I don't think you can get a steak biscuit there at lunch. But the, the point is longing for something. We understand what it is to long for something. The psalmist here says he longs for the Lord in a dry and weary land where there is no water. You know, maybe some of you have felt like in the last several months it's a dry and weary land. Hey, can I encourage you with something, guys? It may be dry and weary as some see it, but the Lord is always available for fellowship. He does not sleep and he does not slumber. A.W. Tozer, who I absolutely love to read, he says, God does not stop at rescuing us. That has reference to salvation. The purpose of that rescue, look at this, is to enjoy fellowship with us. Want a good picture of that? Enoch. The Bible says he walked with the Lord. He fellowshiped with the Lord on a daily basis. Now, I, wanted to, I didn't say this first service. The Lord didn't bring it to my mind, but he just brought this to my mind. Don't wrap up that fellowship piece with the Lord in a nice, neat package. God, you're mine from 7 to 8 in the morning. Please don't do that. Let's not do that. Let's agree not to do that. Because I can fellowship with the Lord even when I'm sitting in my cubicle at work. And somebody next to me is driving me absolutely up the wall. I can fellowship with the Lord. And I probably need to. Fellowship with the Lord. Don't put it in a nice, neat box. It can happen all the time. The importance of that is noted by um, John in 1 John. Notice what verse 3 says of 1 John chapter 1. What we have seen and heard we proclaim to you also. So that you too may have fellowship with us. He's talking to believers. And the us there is him and the apostles. And indeed, and this is interesting, in the original language between indeed and our fellowship is the term now. I like that. Indeed, now our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. That's our fellowship. You may be sitting here today going, man, I don't know what that is. I've been saved 15 years. I'm not... I don't know. I've never been discipled. Pull somebody aside and say, disciple me. That you know belongs to the Lord. Because that fellowship is so critical. I mean, I'm looking at what's going on in our world now and the sense of hopelessness. Even among believers, I hear it expressed. My friends, listen to me. We don't live in a hopeless state. We're in a hopeful state. Right? We belong to Christ. We know the end of the story. 
And so this fellowship piece is really, really critical. I mean, you think about how relationship or fellowships maintained in a home. You have to build that with one another. Time is demanded. And it's the same issue here. So one of the questions would be in pertaining to uh, fellowship. The second question is, is there a daily desire to be in the Word? Key phrase, daily desire. How many of you would admit, like I have, and will admit, there are seasons where it's a little dry. You're dry? Yeah, that ever happened? Just me. There are people in here, right, who you understand, hey, that happens. It happens. It used to happen a lot because we were busy a lot, going all over the place. Now there's more of a time to consider. Is there a daily desire to be in the Word? I like the way the psalmist put it. How sweet are your words to my taste? Yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Look at 139, 17. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. You know what's so great about fellowship with the Lord? That's between you and Him. That's between you and Him. And it can be enjoyed anytime. Well, John Stott makes this comment on the Word. We must allow the Word of God to confront us daily. That's good, right? That's good. And we know it will because it is living and active. And it pierces far as joints and marrow. It will interact with us. Now, will we always like it? Answer, no. Because we're in this process as a believer of sanctification. Of being brought into a perfect state with Christ in terms of fellowship. So on this side of glory, that's not going to happen. But we ought to be moving in that direction. And what's going to help that is to be in the Word. So he said, we must allow it to disturb our security. To undermine our complacency and to overthrow our patterns of thought and behavior. Ugh. Whoa. I don't know about you, it makes me just kind of... Mm. Because if we really are committed to that, putting that in our minds on a daily basis, it will interrupt us. You think about how many examples could we give just in the Old Testament where the Lord interrupted lives. Abraham's doing okay, right? He's doing just fine. What does the Lord say? Get up and go. Get up and go. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Here's some of that that Paul talks about. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching. That idea is doctrine. Profitable for doctrine. You say, yeah, doctrine, that's for pastors and elders and all those people. It's for you. It's for me. You know how I know that? Doctrine impacts the way that we live. In other words, if we say, hey, God is on the throne and he's the one I submit to, then I have to do what? Examine every area of my life. I can't just live like I want to live. God hadn't given me permission to do that. You know? Paul said, may I, do I continue in sin that grace may abound? What does he say? May it never be. God has freed me from the penalty of sin. I no longer face an eternal damnation away from the Lord. And so having said that, because he saved me, 
by grace through faith alone, then I walk and I live each day by what? By grace. And I recognize in my life, Lord, you're the one I have to please. Not about what that pastor said or what that teacher said. I'm just going to go based on what your word says. Now, hopefully that pastor and that teacher are lining up with God's word. But if not, at the end of the day, what do we do? We line up with the book. He says it's profitable for teaching, for reproof. It brings to light those things that are not right. Then he says, for correction. You know what that word means? It's a word picture of making something straight again. Something that's crooked, it's straight again. Man, the word does that, doesn't it? It lines us back up. And then he says, for training in righteousness, which was a word used in that culture to refer to a child who was being trained to do right things. So the scriptures are profitable. We cannot get enough of them, and so we must ask the question, is there a daily desire to be in the book? And if there is not, maybe, just maybe, something's wrong. Third, is there a mind of praying continually? Praying involves dependence. Up until about six months ago, we're doing fine, right? We're rocking along, dependence on the Lord, I'm doing fine. And all of a sudden, the world changes and everybody's going, whoa! And like Luke said, I mean, there's some people that have never heard the gospel of Christ. It's, it's hard to believe. You can go in these public schools and these kids have no idea who Noah is. Talking about Noah Landers? No, that's not what we're talking about. They got no idea. You say, well, haven't you heard the gospel? What are you talking about? Who is this Jesus person? We don't live in the same culture that I grew up in. At all. And the church culture is changing. And the question becomes, for us, as believers, are we going to use this time of, as many people have termed it, suffering, which I don't think that's really necessarily the case completely, but this time of suffering, this time of difference for the gospel of Christ and for a self-evaluation? Or are we just going to let it go by and hope everything goes back to normal? Which we're not guaranteed. So, I've had two weeks to wrestle with this. So I hope you spend a little bit of time wrestling with it. Paul says in Ephesians 6.18, in the context of spiritual battle, Because we're in a spiritual battle. He says, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. And that's in the context of the fact that there is a spiritual battle that's going on. And guys, we're right in the middle of it. The question becomes, are we going to follow man or God? It's that simple. In my mind. E.M. Bounds wrote this about prayer. Prayer should not be regarded as a duty which must be performed, but rather as a privilege to be enjoyed. You want me to tell you a great example of one who enjoyed that privilege? Daniel. There's a couple of lessons in that story with Daniel. Actually, several. Let me give you two to think about. One, he didn't break his pattern. Two, he had a pattern. He didn't break it. He had had it. He already had it established. 
And he had a decision to make, didn't he? <laughs> Am I going to obey God or man? All right, a few more questions. We're almost done. These are just take-home questions, right? When you're looking for something to eat this afternoon. Although those cookies are good, Luke. They're not going to fill you up. I ate one between the surfaces. They are good. I love that lemon one. Was it lemon? Yeah, lemon. Good. But I do want you to think about these questions. Because I've had to think about them. Is worship of the Lord limited to Sunday? For you. For me. I think for a culture, a lot is. I believe that 100%. Is there more of a concern for promoting self than the Lord? I'll just let you take that one in the direction you would like to go to think about. Is there more concern about the things of the world rather than the things of the Lord? I would say there is right now. And I would say it unequivocally. Without a doubt, there is. Even in the church. And guys, I will say this in love. Let's not get entangled in that. We got a higher calling. God has given us a mission. Just like he's given Luke and Naomi the mission. He's given us a mission as the church. Be the church. And then last, is there an ongoing concern for the lost? As we saw in their ministry presentation today, they have that. And that was a great reminder for me. I told him first service, thank you for that reminder. And what an opportunity we have today to share a message of hope. That's a lot to consider. I know it's kind of fire hydrant approach, but I'll make sure you have the notes. Because if I have to look at them more than three or four times, so do you. <laughs> That's only fair. Here's the last one I want you to think about for next week, and we will use a specific passage to address this. Is there a desire to meet with the body of Christ regularly? Here's the question. Should there be? Answer? Yes. Why? Because a pastor says so, or a missionary says so? No, because God's already said. He's already discussed it. And what you're going to find interesting is that this fellowship piece, when it comes to um, being together, the author talks about it in terms of, as you see the day drawing near. <laughs> and by the way, we're seeing it. So we need one another. I need you guys. I need that fellowship. I need to be around you. Well, I'll close with this illustration. Several years ago, cornflakes. How many of you love cornflakes? I love cornflakes. I ate, in fact, I ate a bowl of cornflakes last night with oat milk. And if you've never been introduced to oat milk, my brothers and sisters go buy you some oat milk. My, one of my daughter-in-laws is into that healthy eating stuff. And since I have my chest cracked open, I'm a little more into it, although the steak biscuit doesn't help much. But... The oat milk makes me feel better about the steak biscuit. But I, I had my cornflakes and I had my, my oat milk last night. Well, I didn't know. I was reading this story this last week about Kellogg's cornflakes. I guess that's what made me want cornflakes. If I read about a food, I want to go eat it. Um, 
the campaign ad read this way. And this happened years ago when Kellogg's was kind of struggling with their cornflakes. Taste them again for the first time. How many of you admit your mouth is watering right now wanting some cornflakes with some oat milk? It was a call, the ad was a call to go back and relive the pleasure, the delight, and the satisfaction of the product. That was the whole intent. And if you've ever watched cereal commercials, they're really good at it. Right? I mean, you can watch, how many of you admit you can watch a commercial, the next thing you know, you want to go out the door and go get whatever you just watched, right? It happens. So the ad was designed to get the audience to grab on. And so I wrote down in my notes, I thought, that's right, that's exactly what their intent was. It worked for one guy, I love cornflakes. But when you think about your spiritual life, have we lost, notice the pronouns we, not just you, I'm talking about me. Have we lost the pleasure, the delight, and the satisfaction that we once found in Christ? Or is it still there? Let's pray. Lord, um, this is a powerful lot to think about because um, it demands honesty, demands examination, reflection. You get, honestly, it just makes me uncomfortable. I've had to deal with it the last two or three weeks just thinking about how you were leading me to this and using the elder body and just kind of grappling with some things. And Lord, we are living in some uncomfortable times and we would all freely admit that, but we know, Lord, that um, you've not given us a spirit of timidity but of power and we know that your body needs together and we want to do that as safely as we can and with everyone in mind. Lord, we see the importance of that fellowship with you and the fellowship with one another. We just crave that. You've put that in us. It's natural. We want to be around other believers. and One of the things that we have to examine that you force us to is examine our relationship and examine our fellowship. Maybe there's some in here this morning that you know, they realize, hey, I don't have a relationship with the Lord. I, I need that relationship with Christ. I need to acknowledge what He's done for me on the cross and confess my sins and trust in Christ alone for my salvation. There may be some in here who um, are believers and have been for a while but are just struggling with this, I want to do this and I want to do that versus, hey, Lord, what do you want me to do? And it's all that whole sanctification thing where... We just say, hey, Lord, you're the one that needs to be in charge. I don't know. Maybe there's some in here like that today. Lord, I pray they wouldn't walk away from here embarrassed by it. Just be honest and sit down with somebody, myself or others, that they can talk to and just work through those things. Um, Lord, it's amazing that you desire fellowship with us. But you do. And uh, we want to enjoy that. And we want to enjoy your word and prayer and all those things. And, and Lord, if, if that right now is kind of a trouble spot for us, maybe we're on a little slippery slope. And uh, I pray you'd help us to recognize that. Because not only have we been called to examine our relationship, as you told the Corinthian believers to do through Paul, test yourselves to see if you're in the faith. But Lord, you want us to, to test our fellowship piece because you told the Ephesian believers 
hey, you're doing all these things well, but I have this against you. So they were forced to deal with it. So it's only right that we should deal with it ourselves. Again, help us not to be embarrassed by it, but help us, Lord, to come under the conviction of your spirit, if that's true, that we would be moved to change. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity we've had this morning just to be introduced to this, and I pray that you would give us uh, your mind in all of this. We do pray for our country, Lord. We lift up our leaders. They need you. That's what they need. They need a dependence on you daily. We pray for the health of our our people here at Grace. We thank you for your protection to this point. We continue to pray for the protection of our body and for those who are more susceptible. We just lift them up to you, Lord. There are several in this congregation who are that way and aren't able to be with us. We miss them. Help them to know that. And I know they're longing for the fellowship with the body. So we just pray you'd protect them during this time. Continue to do that. Lord, to continue to work out what your will is in all of this. And maybe one of those things would be that we would examine ourselves properly. Lord, I do also want to pray for those who protect us, for our policemen, for um, our firefighters, all these guys who put their lives on the line. We pray for their protection. We're thankful for them. Lord, we just want want to be in the center of your will. I pray that's true. I know it's true for the elders. We want to be sensitive to what you desire for your body and we believe we're taking proper steps and they're slow steps but we believe that we're doing things the way you want us to do them and and if we're not lord show us that we just want to submit to you and surrender to you again i thank you for this morning for the opportunity to listen to what you're doing in luke and naomi's life and the lives of the kids and just continue to pray for them as a family lord that you'd protect them physically and spiritually as you open doors and opportunities of ministry for them. And uh, we just commit the rest of our day to you. May we serve you well as we fellowship with you, hopefully on a regular basis, Lord. We pray all this in the name of Christ and for his sake. Amen. It's been good to be with you today. If you're visiting with us, we're thrilled you're here. I'd love to talk with you, so um, come up and see me. And the rest of you are dismissed.